two of Australian band and today we have Radio Birdman and this is episode 164 of the rock show and this show is sponsored by who Mike Park Dental of Richmond Hill Queens wow Park Dental my dentist <laughs> Park Dental the dentist that that take care of you yep don't Mr. hurt and takes all insurances I love I love Mr. Yankum <laughs> all right, no, very, very good, very good dentist. Park Dental in Richmond Hill, Queens. And he takes all insurance, people. He takes all insurance. Right, right. All so right, we're back it. here with part two of four, where we're talking yeah. about great Australian bands. Last week, uh, two weeks ago, we did the Saints, and, and today is we, Radio Birdman. Church, right? We're going to be doing the Church later on, and also the Hoodoo Gurus. They'll be coming up. On the next rock show, the Hoodoo Girls. Man at work. Man at work. Now, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm in charge of the content. <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, I mean, this is Radio Birdman is my favorite Australian band. Okay, uh, the Descent into the Maelstrom album is is one of the best rock records ever by anybody, my opinion. I would put it in my top 20. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, this band is very interesting because one of the leaders of the band, Dennis, Dennis Tech, is from Detroit, Michigan. He's an American. And he went down to Australia to try to make it. Uh, and he, and you know, he, he put this band together and uh, just really, you know, like the Saints we talked about, uh, had a lot a hard time getting gigs, had to create their own place to play, uh, and then would, you know, catch the eye of, of, of the British scene and Sire Records on the American side of things. So they had a great run from about, you know, their first 10 years or so, eight years or so. Yeah, um, four years, then they did another... They did four years, then they did a bunch of years, then they... They, they broke up for a while. They, they, right, they, they did break up for a while through the 80s. Uh, really just, you know, were, they played in different bands. But then they would reform again and put out some records. And they're good. Very good albums. Uh, 
they're still together technically okay the pandemic kind of squashed things for now but i'm sure they will be coming back now um you know one band i want to mention we're not going to get into them in our four-part series but if you remember amel and the sniffers that we made the record of the year last year yeah for 2021 they're from australia and you could hear a lot of radio birdman in their sound oh yeah they were definitely influenced by them yeah absolutely so uh shout out to amel and the sniffers i think one of the best bands around today um but radio birdman is 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 something especially the descent into the maelstrom album we'll talk about that uh really it's like a, you got to have that record in your collection or you're missing something so let's talk about Dennis Tech. Okay, Dennis Tech was born November 10th, 1952 in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay, uh, he spent 1967 in Sydney, Australia with his family. And he fell in love with the Australian uh, landscape and the country and, and it always stuck with him. So five years later in 1972, he moved there permanently to go to medical school. Wow. Okay. Now, he went to the University of New South Wales in Sydney. Very good medical school. And what's interesting about Dennis is he's a doctor. He's an actual doctor in this band. Okay. So he has this career as a, as a, as a, as a guitarist and a rock star, but he's also a, a, a qualified doctor. Yeah. Licensed doctor. Okay. He's also a jet pilot. Wow. This, this guy has done a lot of stuff. Okay. And it's really well, very, very unique. Doctor. He's what? the kind of doctor you want to have like on an airplane. Is there a doctor in the house? Yes. Because there might the be. And it's a, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's actually, he's actually, um, I believe an emergency room type doctor. He can handle emergency situations. I think that's wow. what he's trained in. But, um, now, yeah, he's, he's, he's trained as an ER doctor, and he's also an ex-Navy flight surgeon. Wow. Okay. Um, currently, he splits his time between emergency hospitals in New South Wales and Hawaii. Hawaii. Okay, while, while, while taking time to record and tour. So he's still active. The band is still together, and he does this kind of like split lifestyle between medical and music interesting right yeah definitely be interesting now in his in his early life in in ann arbor michigan which you know we know ann arbor and the detroit area is it was a hotbed for great rock and roll um and and you know his early life in that area as a kid he you know enjoyed the mc5 the stooges alice cooper the rationals um early Bob Seger, okay? All of these were, were, were early musical influences to him. Um, and that would kind of culminate in Australia and it would change the landscape of the rock scene there forever, this influence of Detroit stuff. Wow. So now, Tech played guitar and in late 1972, while in Sydney, he joined a band called TV Jones. He was lead singer and guitarist, along with Chris Jones on guitar, Jerry Jones on drums, Giles Vanderwerf on bass. Now, TV Jones had a fanatical cult following. They were very big. Um, 
basically in the in the Wollongong area of Sydney. And it got to a point that by 1974, the band had to leave the city for their own safety. Okay, oh, they, 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 they had a huge following. Um, they didn't record much, really, of anything. But uh, they had a huge live following, and, and they had to leave Sydney, okay? Um, well, not quite Sydney. It's called Wollongong outside of Sydney. So um, after an unsuccessful bid at recording in North Sydney, Dennis got fired from TV Jones. And the reason being is they, they said he was a negative influence on the band. I don't know the details on that. Okay. But it sounds very, very shady, very strange why they would kick him, kick him out. But he didn't care. He got back on his feet. Now Dennis Tech's roommate at the time was a guy named Robert Younger. And he was an Australian lead vocalist for the band, the rats, the rats. Right now, they were mostly a cover band that played around the area. Okay, they did a lot of Stooges songs, New York Dolls songs, Velvet Underground songs. Okay, and this is the music Dennis loved. He really wanted to play this kind of, you know, heavy Stooges kind of sound. Okay, so they decided to collaborate together and start a band. So in 1974, they started Radio Birdman. Now, they recruited classical keyboard player Philip, also known as Pip Hoyle, drummer Ron Keeley, and bass player Carl Rourke. The band, in case you're wondering, got the name, okay? They got it from a misheard lyric in the Stooges song 1970, okay? There's a, there's a line in there where it, it sounds like he's saying... Radio Birdman up above, like that, right? But the actual lyric, and I can see how you can make the mistake because it really yeah, does sound like that. Radio Burning. Right, but it really is Radio Burning up above. Yeah. That's what he's saying. But they heard it wrong and they called themselves <laughs> the Radio Birdman. <laughs> so, and it's funny because they never changed it. That's great, you know? Now, after being rejected many times from various venues and having resorted many times to playing concerts in a lot of rented garages, uh, community halls, places like that. By mid-75, Radio Birdman found an upstairs room at the Oxford Tavern in Taylor Square in Sydney. Now, they eventually took over its management, the band, okay? They took over the management to the place, and they renamed the club The Fun House, okay? Under their new management, The Fun House became a home to other outside groups uh prior to the opening of this venue carl rock left the band and was replaced by a longtime friend of robert younger warwick gilbert on bass uh he had played in the rats with robert younger yeah. um, and also to leave the band at this time was philip hoyle but the departure would be short-lived he would come back they would briefly replace him with guitarist chris mazowak now, soon a small but growing subculture kind of grew around Radio Birdman, all right? Uh, it coincided with the beginnings of the Sydney punk scene by 75, 76. Um, but again, like the Saints in the last episode, these guys were around from 74, 
So they really were they really were proto punk, uh, and doing stuff at the same time and unknowingly of what was going on in New York and London around England. Okay, so it's it's amazing that these three places had things going on at the same time, and they really had very little, you know, affiliation with each other. So it's yeah, just, that's amazing. Yeah, it's just amazing. So couldn't find a place to play. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and and this this is you know Australia is a very conservative. It was a very conservative yeah. place, and they didn't tolerate this kind of stuff. But in Sydney, you know, there just weren't venues like this to play. Okay, so they started their own. Now, eventually, they tried to get some recording sessions going, but they they were unsuccessful. Eventually, with the help of Rock Australia's magazine editor. Anthony O'Grady, they recorded an EP called Burn My Eye, and their first LP, Radios Appear, okay, produced by John L. Sayers and Charles Fisher at Trafalgar Studios in Annandale. Now, Trafalgar Studios, under the management of Michael McMartin, signed the band and financed the recordings. Um, <clears throat> what I was talking about is Descent into the Maelstrom earlier. I misspoke. I meant to say radios appear. Uh, there is a song called Descent into the Maelstroms. But ra radios appear is the album that I believe everybody should have a copy of this record. Okay. Now, this came out um, early that time in, uh, God, it was like, we'll get into it. But basically, when it came out, it, uh, it, was, crit it, was, criti it was critically acclaimed right off the bat. Okay. Uh, they got five stars in the Australian Rolling Stone version of their magazine. Okay. Uh, the album owed much of its style to the Detroit bands of the late 60s. Uh, you could hear the MC5. You could hear the Stooges in their music. Uh, but also other influences like the Doors, the Velvet Underground, and even surf music. Because Radios Appear has that great song, uh, Aloha, Steve and Dano. Uh, reference to reference to the Hawaii Five O guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now the album was originally distributed via mail order only. Okay, often they sold it from the back of friends' cars. Okay, station wagons. They'd sell the record from behind the the back of a wagon. So how the hell uh, track to be able to get recorded so they can move up in the rankings? What say again, Rob? How did they keep track? Like, if they wanted to be on the radio, how do you keep track if you're standing from behind your car and stuff like that? Then there's no. You can't. Uh, you record. can't. No, you can't. Okay. I mean, they, they couldn't, they, they were distributing it themselves. Um, mail order, I guess, you know, they handled it. You, you wrote the band and you got the record, you know. Now, the album title, Radios Appear was taken from the song called Dominance and Submission by Blue Oyster Cult. Nice. Um, Blue Oyster Cult was another band that, that influenced Radio Birdman quite a bit. Um, I think they influenced them, in my opinion, I would say less musically and maybe more lyrically. Yeah. Because some of Blue Oyster Cult's, and, and I think we're going to eventually do a show on that band. I've been neglecting that. Um, they, they write a lot of mystical, some songs are apocalyptic and, and some of Radio Birdman touches on lyrical themes like that as well. 
um, you know, like Descent into the Maelstrom sounds like a song that could have been written by Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. You'd see that on one of their records in the early 70s. Um, Radio's Appeal was basically ignored by mainstream radio when it came out in Australia. But it was championed by Sydney's station called Double J. Double J was a station on, on radio in, in Sydney. It didn't sell well, the record, and despite the critical acclaim, some fans felt it didn't actually capture the, the, the raucousness and the ferocity of the live band. Wow. Okay. I, 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 you know, I don't really agree with that. I think it, you know, I didn't see Radio Birdman back in the seventies, obviously, but, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a rough, you know, it's a rough record. Okay. It's heavy. And, uh, if they were heavier than that live, that would be nuts. You know, they were, they were really, really good, very melodic and heavy. Okay. The band continued to remain outside the mainstream and had kind of like a, an outlaw reputation. They were kind of known as like bad guys. Okay. By late 76, they began traveling to other cities uh, to perform, including Canberra, Melbourne, and Adelaide. In early 77, keyboard player Pip Hoyle came back to the band, but his replacement, Chris Mazowick, remained on guitar, making Radio Birdman a six piece for the first time. Okay. That's now, a big band. It's a big band. Yep. I mean, have the keyboard player, two guitars, bass, drums, and singer. Yeah, that's about When When Sire Records president, Seymour Stein, came to Brisbane to sign the Saints, okay? Remember, they, you know, Sire had picked up the Saints, okay, yeah. in America. He saw Radio Birdman and signed them as well at the same time. Now, under Sire Records, Trafalgar Records licensed radios appear to sire and they did kind of an updated remix of the album with an additional with some additional new tracks put on for the sire release and that would be released in uh by 77 78 okay you'd start to see radio burman was released in america yeah that's good right. and, in, and in and in england okay now these two records the the original australian record and then the Sire Records record. Most fans like both, might might own both in their you know in their collection, but you know some say one sounds better than the other, or you know it's just whatever whatever you like. They're both good. And if you have the uh, the Australian one, I saw it on eBay for about four hundred dollars the other day. So it's worth a little something if you have the Australian one. So that's worth a few more checkles than the American one, then. Uh, yeah, now the American one's not, I'm sorry, it's not worth that much, but the the original Australian version with the original mix, yeah, that's worth about right. 400 bucks. That's, I saw it on eBay. Damn, 400 bucks, that's good. That's a yeah, It is. Now, the underground punk scene at the Funhouse began to kind of take a violent turn as the Sydney chapter of the of the hell's angels started to hang out there so, yeah imagine that it used it's the hell's angel want to come and see you play <laughs> right right so yeah, and, 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 and other 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 bands were playing there so it wasn't just radio birdman oh, okay okay so you know they had other bands when the, you know when the saints would come around they'd play there too okay 
they were from different cities. But now, lots of times the, the police would come and shut the place down because it was overcrowded. It was too rowdy. It was fights. Uh, and a lot of times Radio Birdman got the blame, even if it wasn't their fault. Uh, now, following a concert at Paddington Town Hall with the Saints and a band called the Hot Spurs, another popular Australian band. This was in April of 77. Um, it was attended by a few hundred people. After this, they, they decided to leave the, the Sydney scene altogether. Okay, they would, they would play sporadically and start working on some new material. So they kind of took a little break. Yeah. They would return to Paddington Town Hall in Sydney on December 12th of 77. So this period of time was between April and December. 2,000 people showed up for this show, many from the old funhouse, and they partially destroyed the place. (laughs) (laughs) So the band decided to get the hell out of town and relocate to London, and they would start touring extensively in Europe and the U.K., now, they headlined and supported Sire label mates, the Flaming Groovies. We did a great show on them about two yeah. years ago. Uh, their overseas success would be short-lived, though, as Sire Records began to have financial problems, and they were forced to drop the band. Um, there was an American tour that was planned in, in the spring of 78 that was supposed to be with the Ramones. It was going to be their American debut. They were opening for the Ramones. But it got canceled because Sia was losing money. They they couldn't afford it, so they let them go. That sucks. Right. Right. Okay, so let's take a short commercial break, pay the bills, and we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to The Rock Show, and we're talking about the great Australian band, Radio Birdman. Uh, before the quick break there, we were talking about how Sire Records dropped them uh, right before a, uh, a planned springtime of 78 tour of America. It was supposed to be their debut tour. They were going to be opening for the Ramones, another Sire band uh, that was uh, you know, on the label with them as well. Unfortunately, Sire Records... Um, dropped them due to financial problems, and they decided in May of 78 to record a second album. 
and it was called Living Eyes, and it was recorded at Rockfield Studios in Wales. Wow. If you remember, Rockfield was the home to Dave Edmonds. We yeah. did a show. We did a show on him not too long ago. Uh, Edmonds didn't have anything to do with this record. It was just recorded in his studios. But Dennis Tech would produce this record, and problems abounded right away after its recording was completed. Um, the original master tape disappeared. <laughs> Gone. It lost it, and they had to master it from a cassette recording of trial mixes that they had and it kind of impacted the sound quality of this record um you know radios appear the first record sounded great sire remastered it sounded great this unfortunately would be a problem and uh they 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 kind of slapped this record together uh they used some tracks that were on the burn my eye ep they re-recorded them so I think I think that all this was was taking an effect, you know, the label dropping them, uh, you know, and because of of that of the label dropping them and the financial problems of Sire, this album was recorded but never released until 1981, after the band would break up. Wow. Okay. And then in 1998, the original masters were found. And Living Eye received a proper mix, and it came out in 2005 on Red Eye Records. Living, Living Eye. It's a it's a cool album. I don't like it as much as the first one, but it's it's a good record. It's a good record. It's funny how long that took to get those uh, master tape back and find. They, they they disappeared for years. I wonder. I wonder who grabbed them. You know, and then did they. You wonder if they were stolen or were they sabotaged? You know, did someone try to sabotage him? I don't know. Now, with, without the Sire Records backing anymore, um, in 78, the band continued on, but uh, relationships within the band were, were getting very strained. Um, they played one last show at Oxford University in June of 1978, after which the band broke up. Yeah. Uh, almost exactly at the same point, that an explosion of independent music in Australia happened. Uh, a scene that they basically created. Yeah. Okay. They decided to break up, which was probably a mistake. They probably should have went back to Australia. But, you know, things happened. So they decided yeah. to call it quits. Now, all six members of Radio Birdman went on to play in other bands. Younger's band called The Other Side. And later he had a band called The New Christs were more oriented to hard rock. Uh, Tech and Keeley, with keyboardist Pip, Pip, uh, Pip Oil, formed a kind of Doors-influenced band called The Visitors. Um, guitarist Chris Musiak and bass guitarist Warwick Gilbert had started The Hitmen. Okay, they were a cool band. And they had gone on to, like, moderate success in... Uh, kind of the uh, the bar scene, the pub rock scene that was going on at the time in Australia. Now, Tech, Younger, and Gilbert played in a one-shot touring band called New Race, which is the name of a of a uh, of a radio uh, off of radios appear. Okay, there's a song called New Race. Uh, Dennis Thompson from the MC5 
and Ron Ashton from the Stooges played in this band as well. Very cool. So Tech was playing with some Detroit guys that he admired. And they never made a studio record, but they have one official live album and several bootlegs exist of this band playing live. A non-musical LP, this is very strange, called Soldiers of Rock and Roll uh, was released in 1982. This album, uh, described by the record company as an audio documentary of Radio Birdman, it was it was released after Dennis Tech had decided to quit music for a little while to be a jet pilot and was assembled by the people at Trafalgar Records, who originally put out Radio's Appear. Okay. Uh, it's almost like a soundtrack for a movie that was never made. It's a strange record. In 1990, Sheldon Booth published a book called, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Sheldon Booth, which is a company, published Vivian Johnson's biography of the band. Okay, Dennis Tech has said it's the most accurate account of the band that he's heard. It's often called the Radio Birdman Bible, and it's out of print and goes for close to $300 on eBay today. Damn. You can find it. I did a little research on Radio Birdman. I saw I saw their stuff worth quite a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the Radio Birdman book... Uh, I've seen it. I, 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 w I wish I had a copy of it. I've seen it years ago when it came out. I, I thumbed through it a couple of times. I knew people that had it, but I, I never owned a copy. I'd like to get my hands on it, but 300 bucks is a little a little steep. From Got to try to get it, you know, try to get it off the internet or something. Maybe get it on eBay or something. Maybe somebody's trying Well, eBay's selling it for 300 bucks. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, if you make an offer, do you got to start at 300? I. Well, I think that's what the bids were at, you know, oh. and then they were, they were going up from there, I think. Damn. So they would read uh, Radio Birdman would reunite for uh, what was called the Big Day Out Tour in 1996 and 1997. Now, since then, Radio Birdman have continued to tour sporadically. Um, in 2002, Warwick Gilbert was replaced by Jim Dixon, who had played in the New Christs and other bands. Uh, drummer Ron Keeley left the band in 2004 after a few shows and was replaced by Russell Hopkinson. Now, by 2006, they had a new album ready and would release it in Australia on June 24th on the band's own label called Crying Sun Records. And in the U.S., they came out on Yep Rock Records yep Rock. on August 22nd. The album was entitled Zeno Beach. And it was produced by Dennis Tech and engineer Greg Wales. Original Birdman bassist Carl Rourke had died that year. Oh. And the whole album was, was dedicated to him. They went on a world tour, which led them to America for the first time. For the first time. They had never played there. In July of 2007, they were inducted into the Australian Recording Industry Associate Hall of Fame. Uh, all living members attended the ceremony, except Pip Hoyle. Uh, they played a few songs at the ceremony as well. Okay, so they got back together and they did a couple of songs. In 2007, they saw more shows in the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Australia. In September, they toured alongside the Hoodoo Gurus and the Stems on the, what was called the Clash of the Titans tour, which was launched all across Australia that year. A final gig was in Athens, Greece in October. 
Now, in 2014, the Citadel released uh, a seven CD, one DVD box set. Okay, Citadel Records. And it featured remastered material and previously unheard material. That's and good. that's a very, a very cool box set to have. Uh, in 2017, a feature-length documentary called Descent into the Maelstrom, the Radio Birdman story, was released again to critical acclaim. They've always had the critics on their side, this band. And they continue to this day, okay? Um, one thing I want to mention uh, that's kind of like synonymous when you think of Radio Birdman is their logo. You ever look at the logo they have? It's kind of like a diamond-shaped thing. Yeah, but it's supposed to be the shape of something, right? It's a diamond-shaped Yeah, it was, it was actually created by Warwick Gilbert, who was a graphic artist, okay? But the original idea was, was from Dennis Tech. Uh, he had drawn a very similar symbol for when he was back in TV Jones. Uh, Gilbert simplified the design a bit when he, when he, uh, when he drew it. Now, many fans have had the symbol tattooed on them. It's kind of like a diamond with what looks almost like a flying saucer on an angle in the middle, and it comes down to a point. Uh, there's been stupid people that say it's a fascist symbol. It's not. No. Okay. All right. And, and Dennis Tech says there's nothing political about our band. We're not into that. I don't know why people think that because it's like red and black, I guess, like a swastika. All right, so, I mean, maybe they think it's something like that, but it's not, okay? The band used to wear um, uniforms, kind of like, almost like jump jumpsuits sometimes <laughs> on stage. And, and I think I think people, you know, interpreted that because they were wearing a uniform type thing that they were somehow fascist or something, but there's nothing like no, that in my music. They probably didn't want to wear the suit title or anything. They just yeah. went out there casual, feel comfortable. You know I mean, Devo used to wear jumpsuits on stage. No yeah. one, ever, no one ever accused them of that. I don't know why Radio Birdman got accused. <laughs> you know what's funny? So they really had success pretty much through all their life. You know, yeah, they were, they were singing, they were doing that stuff. Which, you know what? Not too many bands could do, man. But they got huh. and, and they and they did things their way, and I I, I respect that. And that you know the music that they, they've really never put out anything anything bad. You know. Uh, Radios Appear is an album that, you know, everybody should have. I can't emphasize that enough. The tracks on there, Hand of Law, Descent into the Maelstrom, uh, Aloha, uh, Stephen Dano, uh, so many. There's a lot of tracks. If you get the Sire version, it's got even more tracks. So it's, it's, yeah. a, it's got a lot, of rec a, lot of, a lot of tracks. I think it's like 16 or something like that. Wow. On that. So, yeah. And typical three-minute things, but, you know, Really good music. Everybody should check out that record. Yeah, the box that you were talking about is the one that got seven CD and one DVD, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that was called uh, – what was that called? Uh, I think it was just a, like, you know, Radio Birdman box set, okay? It had, like, seven CDs, and the uh, and, and there was, like, a small book in there. Yeah, and, and uh, a DVD also. Yeah, and a DVD of them live. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. So that's no, all I got today, man. That's the end of our second band for Australian bands that we're doing, two out of four. Uh, next rock show, which will be in two weeks, we got the Hoodoo Gurus. We mentioned them briefly a minute ago. And they did play with Radio Birdman a couple of times. 
Yeah, but we're doing the church first, right? Or we're changing. No, I, th I think the Hoodoo Gurus is first. Is it? Oh, I thought it was the church and then Hoodoo Guru was last. Okay, it might be. Whichever. Either way, we're getting to either one. Yeah, so that's good, man. So, Mike, man, thank you for another introduction to another great band. Cool. And another introduction to an Australian band, which is um, weird because I figured Australia had a bunch of bands, but then you look at it, they had like a huge ton of dozens, bands. Dozens and dozens of bands. You know? Yeah, and, you know, again, that you know, Amo and the Sniffers is out there kicking ass. Okay, yeah. I really, I really like that record comfort to me. It was, it was the you know album of the year last year um, for a group. And Assess uh, was fucking from Australia too. Who? In Assess. Yes. And they, they had great success. They were really big. Oh, they, they were probably one of the biggest. I mean, in the eighties, in the eighties, you had uh, Midnight Oil. Remember Midnight Oil? Midnight Oil, another one. Right. They were big. You had Men at Work, your favorite. Men at Work. Yeah, you I know. remember Midnight Oil. They had that one big giant monster. Him beds are burning. Beds are burning. Yeah. Uh, I think the album was called Diesel and Dust. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did he pass away? That guy. I'm not sure, but that band. I, I think he did. Right? Was it like the bullheaded guy died? I think he died. He got into politics. He was very into the environment and that kind of stuff. He had gotten into politics. Uh, I forget his name off the top of my head, but I, I, if I'm wrong and he didn't pass away, good. I, I thought I heard he did. And they had a lot of records, too. Yeah. Uh, Midnight, Oil, Midnight Oil. They had a lot of records before that big hit came out. They were around from, I think, the 70s. They were one of the bands. I remember that, um, that uh, what you call it? Um, they were the band to see one time, uh, 120 Minute. And they were, well, around. yeah, they always, wow. every time they came out with a record, they would play it. You know, they were big there. I thought that was funny that they say, oh, come see them. Right. So thank you, Australia, okay, for putting out such great music. And thank you to the Australian fans for always watching us. Every time we check our chart positions, we're doing pretty well in Australia. We appreciate that. We so where can we find you, Rob? Um, you can find me. Yeah, so he died on. What was his name again? Uh, Pete something? Uh, Peter Graffit. Right. G-A-R-R-E-T-T. -G -T. Okay. Yeah, he died on, damn, he died on the 20, June 26th of 2013. Yeah, nine years ago. And he was like the minister for school education, early childhood and youth. He was, he was in office. Yeah, he was a, uh, he got, he, you know, the band stopped playing and he got into politics. Yeah, he, like, they got at the times that he did office. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And in Australia, wow, he really got into, wow, I never realized. He went from this like creepy looking musician to this politician. <laughs> he was he was really tall, right? And bald. Really tall, but he was like he was lanky. He moved like Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he had like weird moves. I, I think that Freddy Krueger stole his moves from him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where can we find you on social media, Robert? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just look Getting Lumped Up and you will see me right there pop up right away. And we also got the Getting Lumped Up website. Go out there, check out some of the pictures and check out the shows. Everything's doing good right now. I got to thank Australia for putting us on the map.
And um, hopefully we can do a lot of great shows like that. And um, remember to um, subscribe and um, support the channel. We got about 1,300 um, fans on on our Facebook, on the Rock of Mike and Rob um, Rock Show podcast. I mean, podcast. Uh, group page. page. Yeah, the Rock Show group page. So uh, join the group page. And we only talk, uh, we only talk music there. You, we don't talk politics or anything nope. about nope. the music. Just music. Post whatever you like. Yeah. And what what you what, what you what can we find you, Mike? Okay. Well, on Facebook, I'm under Rocko Mike. Rocko Rock Mike. Mike. And then if you want, like we just mentioned, the the Rock Show podcast group page, we got uh, song of the day, song of the night. Uh, you know, special stuff during the day. I'll talk about releases that are coming out that might be interesting uh whatever okay feel free to join that it's a great site and like you said 1300 people we've been doing well um of course i'm on instagram under rocker mike 212 rocker mike 212 i'm on the twitter rocker mike 212 and i'm on uh mewe clout hub parlor uh getter truth social under rocker mike so Search for Rocko Mike, you'll find me. Yep. Oh, Rocko Mike. <laughs> or Rocko Mike, if you want me on Facebook. On Facebook. Facebook is, <laughs> Facebook is a pain in the ass. They wouldn't let me be Rocko Mike. Yeah, it's incredible. I see some names there, but you couldn't be Rocko Mike. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I knew a guy that was, uh, his name was All Shit My Drawers. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to be Rocko Mike. I can't be Rocker Mike. It's not a real name. <laughs> But I'll, I'll ship my drawers is, is allowed to be on that. Pants. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and remember, people, don't get drunk. Get lumped up. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Take care, people. I want to get lumped up tonight. Rossing and rock of mine On the only podcast that I'll hear They won't make me want to rip off my ears